This is Voices of Public Health, the JSI podcast. Hello, and welcome to everyone tuning in with us today. My name is Kate Bagshaw, and I am a technical officer working with JSI's Immunization Center for the past four years. I'm here with our HPV immunization team from Malawi, which includes Hannah Housey, a senior immunization technical advisor who has been working with JSI for nine years, and Patrick Nix, an immunization technical officer who has been working with JSI for four years. Hannah and Patrick have been supporting the EPI HPV vaccine introduction in Malawi since 2019. Today, I will speak with them about this introduction process with a special focus on how the HPV vaccine introduction is different from previous new vaccine introductions, how the country has changed their vaccination delivery approach over time, and how they plan to maintain HPV vaccination while also supporting the COVID-19 response. Hannah and Patrick, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Thanks so much, Katie. We are happy for this opportunity. Thank you, Katie, for giving us an opportunity to express ourselves on this one. Thank you. Great. I'm happy to do so. I'm very happy to welcome you here and to talk about your experiences. So let's dive in. Um, My first question for you both is about your passion for immunization. So how did you find your passion for immunization? Was there a point in your career or in your life where there was sort of a moment, an aha moment, like we would like to call it, where you decided that you wanted to work in immunization? Thanks, Katie. For me, this goes back to the time I was working in the district as a preventive health officer, and immunization was one of the programs which was under my jurisdiction. That's the time I realized that immunization is a sensitive and exciting program. You give it any push, you could see the results coming out. Like many children could be reached and their coverage could improve in the district and vice versa. If you relax, you don't make any effort, you don't provide any resources, you could see the drop in the number of children reached and eventually the coverage is going down. So when I got this job with JSI, which was specifically for immunization, I was so excited to have joined a field that's very rewarding, like we could really respond to whatever efforts that you're making. Thanks. Uh, Thank you so much, Kate. I think for me, as a trendy, uh, preventive health officer. When I joined that uh, for the first time, uh, when I was working in the government, it's like I think I was working on the uh, or, or on the general duties. But uh, after just working for a year, I was chosen to be the EPI coordinator, where I was coordinating all the immunization issues. From that time, my passion came, and uh, every time I think I was talking about EPI. And even the time when I went to do my master's, my thesis was focusing on immunization issues because that's now my passion. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's so great to hear a bit more about your history and your journey to this point and to starting to work for JSI um, on immunization. Um, Collectively between the two of you, let's see, Hannah, you've worked for nine years for JSI and Patrick for four. So 13 years and uh, time together as well. What are some of your key highlights of your time uh, working with JSI thus far? Yeah, thanks, Katie. Um, For me, working with JSI has been great in many ways. Uh, I can't mention everything here, but uh, especially learning about the integrity within the organization, 
has been something which I've cherished in my life personally. That has really changed my the view of my of the life, and uh, most of the things that I do personally, I really consider the integrity first. Um, so the moment I like most is when we were implementing the Reaching Every Child strategy in the two districts of Fudoa and Chisi. And this was the project which was funded by USAID, the Maternal and Child Strategy Program. And during which the community, during the community evaluation, which we were doing after implementing the My Village, My Home True, we could, we found that uh, almost 100% of the children in the village were on track with their vaccinations. I was really excited and it's a moment I'll never forget, simply because the village heads with the support of their volunteers were able to track every child in the village to make sure that they're on track with their vaccines. And uh, even the caretakers that were lazy, those that didn't want to take their children for vaccines, they started doing so because their village heads were the ones that were following up on them to make sure that their children were on track or rather fully vaccinated by the end of one year. So it's a moment which I cherish most and I like it. And besides that, we were integrating the family planning with immunization. And because of that integration, we could see more women going to access the family planning methods from the outreach clinics, unlike before. Simply because when we did the evaluation, most of them were appreciating that we had brought the service closer to their homes rather than expecting them to walk long distances to health centers just to access the family planning methods. So this also excited me a lot. Yeah, so Kate, for me, I joined JSI in 2017 and I was the district immunization officer for GIS. During that time, uh, JSI under MCSP was working, I think, on the, on the RAKE um, project. So I was so excited because by the time when we were going there, she's had, I think, problem in terms of uh, access to immunization and even utilization. But the effort that JSI was putting in, it made me to be excited because by the end of the year, we managed to improve all the, uh, all the indicators. So many people, they were, many, many children were vaccinated and by the end of the day, uh, even the, the indicator themselves, they improved much. And GC is one of the districts which is doing fine as of today because of the work that I, I did. So I'm proud of that under JSI project. Thank you. Thanks, Hannah and Patrick. It's, again, so great to hear about your time with JSI. And um, of course, now over the last couple of years, you've both been supporting um, the HPV vaccine introduction along with some other activities. So can you tell me a little bit about your specific roles as of now? All right, Katie, as of now, uh, we are, I'm currently providing the technical support to EPI program on COVID-19 vaccine introduction. And uh, previously, we've just completed the HPV project in May, which had started from 2017 up to 2021. So this entail involved supporting the development of the NTVP, the National Vaccine Development Plan, and also the revision, which we've just done recently because of the changes in the target group. 
and uh, we've been also supporting the training of health workers and uh, issues of micro planning amongst others. And besides this, I'm also working as a lead for, for an immunization program in Malawi, where I'm involved also in new, new business opportunities, uh, which includes writing proposals, working on budgets, and even writing reports. Uh, thank you so much, Kate. JSI, as myself working as a technical assistant to EPI, I'm more involved uh, when it comes to the development of materials. For example, this time around when we are introducing the COVID vaccine, we are in the front of coming up with the draft of the training materials, and also we are involved in the supervision and even maintaining the health worker themselves, and also even the coming up of the NDVP. JSA uh, was also in front of doing that. So we have been supporting a lot uh, to EPI. So what you're saying, and I think probably what's clear to everybody who's listening right now is you both have such a breadth of experience um, providing support to the EPI and the country of Malawi and all different levels. So it's, of course, you know, so great to have you as part of our team and part of the team that is supporting the EPI with their HPV vaccine introduction. So I'm hoping now we can move forward into and to get into some of the details about this experience that you've had over the last couple of years, supporting the introduction itself and the rollout of the program in Malawi. So my first question for you that's more specific to HPV is the following. Um, I know that, you know, just based on what you guys have said already and your experience, not only working at JSI, but of course supporting the ministry um, in Malawi, is that you've supported uh, many new vaccine introductions over, over the years and over the last several years. So I'm wondering if you can speak to some of the lessons that you have learned from these previous experiences that may have been useful to you as you supported the HPV vaccine introduction. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Katie. Um, the lessons I've learned from the new vaccine introductions, as you know, within JSI, in the country, we've supported uh, a couple of new vaccines that have been introduced, like PCV, RODA, MR, IPV. Yeah, so there are a lot of lessons that we've learned from all those which were applicable to HPV as well. I would mention just a few of those. Um, the key ones being like timely implementation of preparatory activities, because always you have a timeline which is taking you to the date of introduction of that particular new vaccine. So for you to, to really go by that date, you need to implement the preparatory activities in a timely manner as well. Any delay on the implementation of those activities will also delay your introduction dates. And that will make it pushing forward. And it may not go well with other activities that will happen later on beyond the introduction point. So really good preparation and the timely implementation of those preparatory activities is key. With every new vaccine introduction, you'd have partners you need to work with. The EPI program cannot work alone. 
um, technical partners like GSI can't work alone. We need other partners that should come in, depending on the nature of the vaccine that we are introducing. So good collaboration with those partners is very good because those are people, those are like uh, traditional partners for that specific challenge or bedding, which this vaccine is trying to control. So working with them provides you access to, access to the communities, because they are like the people they are already working with, the networks which they have, which are already well, well established. They'll even share the experiences which they've had with that particular problem. So good collaboration with those partners will help you really to, to easily sell the vaccine through the communities and uh, have it accepted pre-edge demand and reach out to many clients. And by the end of the day, you'd have very good coverages for that new vaccine. And um, the health workers, or rather teachers in the case of HPV, they are key in the implementation of any, any vaccine that you are introducing for the first time. So proper orientation of those health workers and teachers is needed, is very prime, because these are the people who take the messages to the communities. These are the people who provide the effort, who provide the vaccine. And remember, that's like an additional task to them. You are increasing the workload to them. So proper orientation and the, you know, that will motivate them to understand the new vaccine that you are bringing in and help them accept the vaccine themselves first and then help informing the communities and be able even to administer the vaccine. So orientation of these health workers and teachers should really be considered as a prime activity. That's the lesson which I've seen. And also um, taking advantage of the new vaccine to improve the routine immunization. As we are implementing the preparatory activities for the new vaccine, it's necessary to add in some aspects for the routine immunization. So that at least by the end of the day, the routine immunization is also benefiting from the new vaccine introduction. Knowing that the routine immunization in most cases doesn't have adequate resources. So we need to leverage with the coming in of new vaccines to improve the routine immunization as well. Early engagement of communities is also good. As I've said, we do have a timeline for introducing the vaccine. If you don't engage the communities in good time, then there's, there will be a mismatch. The time you are introducing the vaccine, the new vaccine, people don't know. And you can't expect that people will come and will accept and come forward to get this vaccine. So we need to engage the communities early enough before the introduction date so that they get to understand the vaccine, its benefits, how it will be delivered, and uh, that way they will respond. When the time comes, they will respond positively and come and access the vaccine. Because that will also provide time for clarification of all the myths and misconceptions that are always common with new vaccines being introduced in a country. And another piece which helps with uh, uh, clarifying on the to, to increase the demand is the clarification on the burden of the disease in the country. You need to be ready with the data. You need to explain the challenges, the, the, how, the magnitude of the problem in the country and the, what the vaccine will be able to do to reverse that burden. And also the perceived risk, because the perceived risk of the disease by the community also matters. 
where people feel that's not a problem, they haven't felt the burden within their communities. It's very difficult to convince them that you have a problem and that people should come forward. But where people really know and feel it that we have a problem with this disease, and now you are bringing in the vaccine, you are telling them that this vaccine will help to control this disease, it will be very easy to create the demand and people will come. We saw this, especially with uh, like uh, for PCV, when we're telling people that this will control pneumonia, oh, people really flocked. And I remember that time, even the vaccine that we had, we had even run out of the vaccines because so many people come, came in, wanted their children to be vaccinated, even those that were beyond one year. So clarification on the burden of the disease and the perceived risk of the disease by the community are also critical in the introduction of new vaccines, which was really a lesson to be applied to the HPV introduction. Hannah, can I ask a follow-up question? Sure, I think, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we will get into more some more details later on, but just quickly, my you know, it's you have so much experience. There's so many lessons learned from previous new vaccine introductions. In your opinion, do you think that you were able to apply all of these things that you just mentioned to the HPV vaccine introduction or um, only partially? I would say partially, especially the issue of um, timely implementation of preparatory activities and the early engagement of communities. We didn't do well with this. Much as we knew, much as we had that experience, uh, the, the, that lesson from previous vaccines, but with HPV, it didn't work well because the preparatory activities started very late, like just a month to the, to the introduction date which really affected the quality of the implementation of activities and the, also the engagement of the communities, which started late due to late release of funds. And uh, we could see the hesitancy somehow from the people. Uh, but when we had started the community mobilization activities, then immediately we saw a change and the, the demand increased. Great, thanks for your hot take on that. Um, Patrick, is there anything that you wanted to, to add? Because I know you also have had experience in supporting new vaccine introduction. No, I think Hannah said it all. <laughs> Great, thanks so much. Um, so moving on to the next question, um, I was wondering, so you've had all this experience for new vaccines over the last several years, um, many lessons that you can apply to HPV, um, as you discussed, um, some very successfully, some partially. But I was wondering, how has introducing the HPV vaccine been different from other new vaccine introductions for you? The introduction of this HPV vaccine has been very different from the other vaccine. You know, the other vaccines, the, the routine ones, normally we get the, we target the under two. But this one, HPV, we were targeting adolescents, the, uh, the girls who are nine years old. So because of that, uh, it was a different one. Because uh, for us to get these uh, girls, we were supposed to go to unusual places. For example, the under two, we are supposed to go to health facilities or even to outreach clinics. But this, this time around, because we are targeting a nine-year-old girl, 
a person who is supposed to be at school at that particular time when we want to meet this particular person. So we changed the, we changed the vaccination process instead of going to outreach clinics and also even the, uh, the health facilities, we were focusing much on the schools. So I think that's one of the different, I think, from the other vaccines. But in terms of another thing is the engagement of the, uh, the, the partners. We have been working with the communities all along. This time around, we are supposed to, we were supposed to bring in the, uh, the new partner, the Minister of Education, because the teachers, they are the key people for us to get the, uh, these girls. They were supposed to talk to them, uh, engage them, and by the, end, the end, by the end of the day, they could come to us, I think, without having any problems. So the engagement of the Minister of uh, Education was another thing. But also the other thing was the strategy that we were using. With the other vaccines, it's like the routine. Every day we are supposed to vaccinate, but this time around, we are supposed to sit down, we plan how we are going to do this. So it was in the mode of a campaign for us to reach uh, more girls. We are supposed to set a week uh, within, I think that particular year, so that we do like a, a campaign. So I think that was also another pro, uh, and, 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 uh, that was also another thing. And you know, when we talk about the campaign, we need a lot of resources. For example, the money that we are supposed to give in the name of allowances to the vaccinators. So that was another thing. But also we met, I think, an unusual thing, the issue of misconception. You know, we are targeting the nine-year-old girls, the adolescent. So people, they are talking much uh, on the issues of the contraceptive. Some people, they were thinking that, I think what we are giving the, the girls is not, I think, the cervical cancer vaccine, the HPV vaccine, but it's like the way of introducing the contraceptives to girls. So if you, if, if, if you look at, I think, those things, we can say the introduction of this HPV vaccine was different from the other vaccine that we used to have in the past. Great. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, I think it's so... It's HPV is so interesting and it's a, a, a sort of uh, for many of the reasons that you've indicated and it's also one of the first sort of life course vaccinations that many of our countries are are trying to introduce so there's lots of learning as well from an HPV vaccine introduction that can be useful. So thanks so much for outlining some of those key differences. Um, I wanted to follow up on something specific that I know about the work that you guys have done and it links to your first point, Patrick, about trying to find the this group of, of girls who are nine years old, and they're not children who are under two anymore. And I know that um, this was something that you worked on a lot in Malawi um, for uh, as part of JSI's technical support. So my question is around um, the process of mapping out the target population that you did. And so can you tell us a bit about this process? Um, about the process of mapping out how you would find these nine-year-old girls and where they were, and um, any sort of collaboration with local partners that you did, and any challenges that you faced in supporting this particular piece of the vaccine introduction. All right, Katie. Indeed, with the HPV vaccine introduction, we had to identify the nine-year-old girls before the vaccination time through what was called the mapping process. This was important so that we were able to set the targets at the local levels. 
like at the center level, even at the individual school. So the mapping was done in schools for the in-school girls and also in communities for the out-of-school girls. As such, teachers and health surveillance assistants were the ones responsible for conducting this registration in both schools and communities respectively. So we had to partner also with communities, especially for the community registration. As such, volunteers were there to help the health surveillance assistants with the identification of these girls. And at national level, the partners, immunization partners like WHO, UNICEF, Ministry of Education, we all collaborated together to make sure that this activity happens successfully. So the mapping exercise was one of the topics which was covered during the trainings so that we impart knowledge to the teachers and HSAs on how this should be done. And the, after the training, when the actual mapping started, we went out to the districts, health facilities, and even schools to supervise the mapping process, where indeed we could see some schools had started, and of course others had not yet started. And the unfortunate thing was that this was being done during the Christmas break. So students were not there, the teachers were just using the registers, others could help, could also help um, try to reach out to the parents. And the mapping registers were provided in all the schools and home, and even the health facilities. So the challenges that we faced um, during the, especially the first round of vaccination, were mainly the delayed registration, as I've said that it was done during the holidays, because most of the registration was done when the schools had opened. And also the registration of non-eligible girls, which increased the numbers of registered girls compared to the NSO estimate, which we already had as a country. So this really compromised on the availability of the vaccines, because now we had more girls registered against um, few vaccines. So this led to the verification exercise to assess the eligibility of the girls that were registered because we really wanted to get to the bottom of the problem, like why are we having more girls registered? So the verification exercise indeed only found that uh, found only 55% of the registered girls being eligible. Most of them were not already eligible, meaning they were older than nine years or others were even less than nine years. Based on that, the recommendation was made that a verification exercise should be done after every registration, like in the next, in the, um, the next round, which we had in 2020, we had to do the verification exercise after conducting the mapping. And indeed, we noted that there was a change in the scenario that we had few girls registered as compared to the NSO targets, which we had. So mainly that's how the, uh, the, map, the mapping process went in the first round and second round. Hannah, thanks for explaining that. It sounds complicated, um, but also really, really interesting and, um, you know, just highlights this idea again of how you need to uh, collaborate with other partners and also look for different uh, sources uh, of information and data to really be able to um, identify the 
the nine-year-old girls for HPV vac vaccination. So thanks for outlining that for us and that piece of work. I wanted to move forward um, about generating demand or generating confidence and uptake in the HPV vaccine. And Patrick, you mentioned this um, a little bit before uh, when you were talking about some of the key differences between the HPV vaccine introduction and other new vaccine introductions you've supported. So I wanted to, to dive a bit more deeply into this and wondering what for you, what was different about generating demand for HPV vaccine with adolescent girls and what approaches did uh, the country use or considerations that the country um, made when thinking about how you would generate demand for the vaccine? Now, you see, we are talking about HPV vaccine, which is targeting the nine-year-old, the unusual target for the EPI. So because of that, uh, the EPI, I think, had to, first of all, had to launch uh, this vaccine so that a lot of people, they are aware that I think there is HPV vaccination, which is going to be taking place in schools. So from that launch, uh, a lot of messages, they were shared among the people, whereby we had some posters, uh, we had even some performers. The reason was just, I think, to make the people that they are aware of what is going on. So after we, are, we did that, we also engaged the usual mass, mass communication activities. For example, now, there were some messages that were being aired out uh, on radios. And also we had even some posters within the schools, even I think within the, uh, the outreach clinics, even uh, in the health facilities, so that I think every person is supposed to know that these nine-year-old girls, they are being targeted by a special vaccine, which is HPV. But apart from that also, uh, we relied much also on teachers. You know, the teachers, they are in the forefront informing the girls when the, their schools is going to be visited by the health workers. So in so doing, it was also like we are creating the, uh, we are creating the demand. And I think in some situations, we also involved the parents, the guardians of these girls, whereby they were called uh, meetings where they are being held together with the, uh, the school management. They briefed about, I think, the need to, for their girls to be vaccinated and they even gave the consent. So all, all of those things that were happening, it was targeting to create demand within the communities and also to remove the misconception that was going around that this is not, I think, the HPV, but the, uh, the, uh, it's, it's a matter of family planning issues. So we did those in order to, I think, to, to help the uh, conducive environment. Thanks so much, Patrick. I think it's interesting because you talked a bit about how sort of the usual um, approaches were employed, but that you also had to think a bit differently about other options that you could use to really sensitize the community to the HPV vaccine and encourage uptake. And um, it's really interesting to think about how that the demand strategy for vaccines sort of shifts when you have um, well, for new vaccines, but also for different populations, it requires a different consideration of the messages and consideration of the girl being sort of at the, the center, not being an infant anymore, but somebody who's, who's older and, and can make decisions and ask, ask questions, as well as 
any sort of caregiver in her her life and and other people. So it's a bit it's a bit more complicated, but also really interesting as a result, I think. So thanks for for sharing that with us. Thanks for tuning into part one of our podcast on the HPV vaccine introduction in Malawi. Be sure to check out part two to learn more. Thank you for listening to Voices of Public Health, the JSI podcast.